You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. (laughs) Hope y'all enjoy. Election season is upon us. So in this week's episode of Carly's Couch, we chat with political organizer John Conyers to better understand how everyday people can be involved in politics. Yes. Hola, everybody. Welcome to Carly's Couch. Um, <laughs> hey, Carly. I don't know why you laughing. I say yes because like I'm really in freedom fighter mode these days. Like I'm really <laughs> trying to figure out like oh. how can we make a real difference. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, can we? And like, how does that actually work? So I'm excited about this week's episode. Like, yeah. I got questions. Yeah, it feels real like dark out here. Like, as far as what people can actually do to affect politics. Um, so we're really excited to, for all of our listeners. We have a special guest, his second time on the podcast, which uh, he just reminded us. So thank you for that. Um, totally different topic, though. So we are speaking with John Conyers, and I'm going to introduce him and then let's get it popping. So John Conyers is a political organizer and entrepreneur based in and from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, If his name sounds familiar, that's because he's the son of the longest serving Black congressman in United States history, John Conyers Jr. He attended Morehouse and the New School, and he's worked in several industries from music to finance. But with politics literally in his blood, he's come full circle to have a major focus on politics, bringing money and jobs to the people of Detroit. He currently serves as a political organizer and is a co-founder of the Next Gen Board of Mental Health Organization, D.D. Hirsch. And he's working to make politics accessible to all by helping everyday people understand how we can be active in the game of politics. John Conyers, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the stage. Uh, Thank you very much. I appreciate you both having me. I feel like that was a good intro. I feel like you should keep that and use that for things. Yo, that was fire. I was actually, I was actually, hey, yeah, it sounds very nice. It sounds sounds really good. I'm going to take that and run with it. Like, wow, I, I actually do things. I get things done. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Listen, you got you. It, you look back and like, dang, I did do that. That's that's wild. That's important to do sometimes too. Um, but thank you for being here with us today. Uh, last time we had you as a guest, you spoke about grief, and so I know this is a totally yeah. different topic, uh, but something that you are focused on now. So our first question for you: You've always been surrounded by politics, right? Like you grew up in it. Uh, but you haven't always been so adamant about being a part of politics and working in politics, right? So, like, what changed? Give us a little bit of your journey with that. Um, the change, I mean, it wasn't a crazy journey. Like, I always had ties to it, right? I was still, obviously, I was always around it um, as a young person <clears throat> or a younger person. Um, it's wild. When you get old, you still feel young. When you get older, you, you still think of yourself as a young person. But, you know, in my, you know, late adolescence and, and early adulthood, I was much more focused on economic impact. But I, as I got got older, I actually recognized that the economic impact is influenced by policy, right? Like, you know, folks of other races and creeds and of different industries um, influence policy so that money is shifted and investment is shifted towards the things that they take interest in. They don't always use, for the most part, they don't use their own, you know, finances to invest in the things that they want to, or they want to see invested in. Um, And so once I figured that out, you know, my mentality shifted to, okay, 
obviously systemic racism is a thing and um, our folks don't have, you know, a lot of financial resources, um, especially and then trying to wrangle everyone to pull that together um, is an uphill battle. What can be done to shift, you know, large sums of money um, into my community in the most efficient and um, immediate way that I saw and thought about was, you know, influencing policy. Uh, not to mention the intersection of, you know, or where the things that, or the way I grew up having intersection with um, the, average, the average everyday person and, you know, the highest highs and presidents and all those things. And I find myself being uniquely positioned to speak um, the language of, you know, the boardroom um, and the street corner. So it just made sense for me to kind of, you know, position myself and insert myself into um, politics and, and give it a shot. From having that experience, like growing up in politics, like you said, see, being able to see both sides, like being in the White House, but also like understanding the streets. Like what were some of your reasons for not being more deeply involved earlier in politics? Like if you knew the impact it could make. I think I just didn't have the perspective, right? I just didn't, <clears throat> like most of us don't like to be completely, to be frank and, you know, uh, I hope no one takes offense, but I think that part of the issue with us, our generation, generations younger and politics is like everything we've, most of the things that we have um, is pretty instant gratification or like we don't, we don't know a world without the um, privileges and rights that we have. Like we've never had to live without that. And so we don't understand, we don't understand the striving for something. We don't understand the continued work, um, not only to achieve it, but to maintain it. Right, I think, and to preserve it. Um, and so I think that was really um, the impetus, right? Just coming from, just shifting my perspective and understanding like, oh, I know I've been working at something. I think, I think it really shifted for me when I, you know, I got paid for, the first time I got paid for a song and I realized like, I was like, what was I? Maybe I was 24, 23. I got paid like $3,000 to write like eight bars, right? And I've been writing songs since I was like 12, right? I've been rapping since I was 12. And to see like, oh no, this, everyone in my family, like except for my dad and my aunt were like telling me to like, yo, go get a job, go finish school. Um, and I re I'm relaying that story to demonstrate like the amount of time you have to put in before you see results, right? Not just results in the terms of improving upon like your skill set. But like just results in something paying off from you having done something, right? From, from you having honed the skill just to get that payoff. And so that kind of started to shift my focus or shift my understanding of like input versus output, right? Um, and I think we just don't have a real grasp or realistic, or realistic perspective or realistic expectations on input versus output in this country as it relates to our political system or any political system for that matter, right? I like that. And one of the things you said that I'm like, oh, man, you're right, is it's not as pertinent for me to to feel like the urgency of going to vote when I can drink from the same water fountain as other people or I'm not being you know, segregated or I, I'm not allowed to do things. And so I never really thought about that. There was a different level of urgency for past generations to really like make a change. And yet there is for sure, you know, still lots of issues now 
but they don't quite seem as as, as like life ending, I guess. Um, Carly, you and I like kind of talk about this, uh, you know, before before the the episode, and we were you know talking about ways and reasons why, like you know, why aren't we more politically involved? And like, what would you say are like some of the reasons that, like, for yourself, it's like you know, like I I, I care, but I'm not really all up in the mix. Me personally, uh huh. Yeah, I would say I would consider myself like semi-involved. Like I, I vote every election I have ever since I could. I try to research all the propositions, but I think I get confused as to like how much my participation outside of just simply voting mm -hmm. on things actually like moves the needle. Like what makes a difference? Like I've been to protests. I've been, I, I signed the canvassers outside of the, the grad gas station. I do the vote to change.org things, but it's like, you know, sometimes it feels like you're screaming into a void. Like, you know, mm -hmm. what actually makes a difference? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I don't know. It's like, I want to, but it's like, what actually, like, what is the best value of my time? Like, if I don't have millions of dollars to donate to so-and-so's campaign, like, what is a great, like, um, giving of my time or my energy towards something that actually helps? Yeah, I like that. I agree with that, right? It's like, it feels like we don't know if our vote matters. And we see a lot of conversation around that, around every time it's time to vote, people being like, oh, well, it don't matter anyway. Um, but another thing I would say from me as well that I feel like I see and that I feel sometimes it's like it's hard to feel like you can even trust anyone that's in politics or anyone that's running. Um, and not to say that everybody's not human and has their their things. But when you really look at the fact that it's so much like just money connected to things and, you know, why people support what they support, why they vote the way they do, um, how people get into office, it just feels like kind of icky, I think. And I think a lot of people have those feelings. Um, so John, like knowing some of those reasons, right? People not feeling like their vote matters, feeling like things are kind of corrupt, feeling like it's just overwhelming. Like how is politics even connected, you know, to, to my everyday life? Do you understand it? Do you agree with that? Like, what are your thoughts on like why people choose not to engage? Um, yeah, I think, well, first, one of the things you can really do that helps a lot is like, you know, getting your friends together, like in, in and making it known like, hey, the five of us or the three of us um, are gonna be, let's, let's go vote together. Text your friends like, hey, are you going to vote today? All right, well, I'm gonna go vote at three o'clock. You wanna join me? Like set a time to go vote and like be a multiplier, right? I think that helps a lot. Um, I think also politics isn't just a vote, right? When you're a congressperson or your state rep um, or your state assemblyman, since you are in, you all are in California, when your state assembly member you know, um, or your city councilman calls somebody a monkey. Um, uh, <laughs> um, Don't be laughing at us. That's Beverly Hills. That ain't my neighborhood. Oh, that's California. That's, listen, man, yeah, that's, that's LA. That's, that's LA, man. I was about that's, to say, yeah, look at the LA city council and all this stuff. That's LA city council calling people monkeys. And, but, but I say that to say that, like, part of it isn't just a vote. It is the, is like the accountability once something happens that you don't like, or when you become aware of a proposition, right? Calling and like saying, we want, I need you to vote this way. Or when there are, you know, city council meetings around the country are open to the public. Like anything government related is open to the public. Like whether that, like you could just go to the courthouse and go sit in on somebody's trial. Like any, like you could just go do, like anything government related is open to the public. And I think that we have to take advantage of those things. I think also, again, taking for granted, like on a more, if you want to zoom out on a macro level, um, and um, I don't mean to give the founding fathers that much credit, but I think we do 
take also take for granted like how this place even came to be right when we talk about when you lex when you say that it's icky i think there was a there was bloodshed for this land both from the natives obviously and from the people and the colonizers who took over this land to keep the british out and i think when we talk about things being icky we take for granted that like there are, if you look at Elon Musk or you look at whomever, there are always going to be bad. If you look at Putin, there are always going to be bad actors. If you want things to change, you have to participate because bad actors want to consolidate power. If you if you want to look at it from a business perspective, we look at, you know, um, Jeff Bezos not only buying up, you know, the Washington Post, but he also bought one of the largest film studios in the country, I mean, in the world, right, in MGM. And so, like, the consolidation of power and um, what's the word? Um, not uh, centralizing, you know, um, where, you know, profits flow into whom they flow is a part of, you know, the lack of opportunities and, and suppression of voices and suppression of opportunities. And so, you know, being a, a democracy, we're, we're a republic, but living in a republic and a democracy, part of that is, you know, aside from you having to go to work every day, you got to get your ass up and be engaged and be vocal. Now, to if you want to focus on it, I think one of the biggest things is in the same way that I don't know, I don't know how y'all were in college, but in college, like I may have had one homie that had all the econ notes. I had one homie that had all the philosophy notes, right? So maybe, maybe Lex's role is to like, I'm just going to focus on municipal politics. I'm focused on what the mayor's doing. I'm focused on what city council is doing. And I'm going to relay that information to Carly and the gang. And then Carly, Carly is responsible for focusing on what's happening with Gavin Newsom in the state assembly, right? And then you're the person who has all the, the cliff notes on what's happening in the state assembly, who we need to be calling, who our rep is and things of that nature. And then there's somebody else who's focused on the federal level that's holding Maxine uh, and, and, and Karen Bass, like holding those folks accountable. I think breaking it down, like no one person, Ooh. especially especially in how, how expansive, um, you know, this country is um, and how much is going on, especially in, a, in an age of information where it's a 24 hour news cycle. Um, no one person can be an expert on all the things, like even the members of Congress aren't experts on all things. They don't even write their own legislation. That's what you have staff for, right? And so I think that breaking it down for, like if, you, if, if the two of you have a passion about it, passion about it, then being the ones in your group and on different levels of government that, that people come to to find out their information, right? Ooh, okay. I was about to say, you, you talking fast and you saying words I don't know, and I am ashamed. However, you, you're spitting and you're giving me some good ideas and I can tell you're getting polished in politics, John, because that was good and it made it, right. it felt more broken down as opposed to like eating the elephant, eating pieces. Um, and I'm glad Carly was over here taking notes because I was like, Ooh, I hear something, I hear something, I hear something. And so there's a couple of things that you said that I want to just like kind of hash out slightly. A, government, government um, events are open to everybody. I actually, I think everybody. that's really important. And I never really thought about it like that. But and then I was just uh, reading a tweet and I had retweeted yesterday about Fiona Apple. Um, you're the white singer, right? And she talked about mm -hmm. how she was a court watcher, how she's been a court watcher in PG County and is in there watching mm -hmm. to be like, oh, okay, like, why are y'all really trying to like hold people over, you know, a little bit of weed or over this or that? And like, just making sure like people are there to watch and be accountable uh, for the things that are happening and say something about it. And I also know that with you campaigning for Congress, 
um, that you went and visited lots of, uh, what are they, town halls and things of that nature? City council, city council meetings, yeah. I, I went to every, yeah, every, every city and district, I went to a city council meeting. City council meetings. So like those are open for anybody to go to. And I'm assuming that they go through an agenda of like, hey, here's everything that we we're, wanna know about. And what's interesting is, and I've seen this, there's episodes of this in different sitcoms and stuff, but like, if you wanted to go to that, you could go up there and express something from like, hey, people drive too fast down my street or like the trash isn't get picked up or whatever, right? And you could speak up for yourself. Every single meeting I went to that, something of that nature mm -hmm. was happening. Or someone was saying like, hey, I've been complaining about this thing for a year. Or since the, I know things have been mm -hmm. difficult with the pandemic, but like the pandemic is like, we're getting back to normal. So somebody's got to do something about this. Like almost every agenda item, like any any business, right? Um, members of the city council, is le it's not uh, exactly the same in like state house in, 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 in United States Congress, but with city council, like, like that, those are like really, really representatives because they are like, <clears throat> so let's break it down. Federal government, gets the money, sends it back to the state. State allocates the money that comes from the federal government, right? It allocates it to like, okay, Los Angeles is gonna get 500 million. You know, the Bay Area is only gonna get a hundred million and whatever, like however that goes. And then each city, city council is responsible for mm -hmm. allocating those funds as they see fit, right? And so in order to allocate those funds, like they can do whatever the hell they want, right? Once that money comes, but there is an opportunity for public comment to say, well, we don't agree with that, right? And if you have enough people that are at a city council meeting saying like, we don't agree with that, that's not what we should do. And I've seen mm -hmm. it happen in, in Taylor specifically, like everyone got up and said, we don't want that, we don't want that, we don't want that. And so everybody on the city council was like, well, we can't, we're not gonna vote for it. Even though like prior what? to that, the, some, some of them were yes votes, right? But I think making sure that you go, you get an agenda, you see the agenda items like, oh, um, 500 million for new roads and then like open for public comment. And then you have just general public comments where you someone can just introduce themselves and say, hey, I'm Joe Schmo from Lake Tahoe and I wanna say whatever, right? All this stuff is accessible. It's just that we it's so foreign to so many of us and we don't think about it because we're so consumed. Like it, it it's, it's tiresome to have to, you know, to your point, you want to believe that, or you voted for someone because you hope that they will do, you don't have, they don't you don't have to you won't have to worry about them doing what you feel is right but you know it is you know uh what did, what did barack obama say trust but verify right so like yeah i trust them but like i'm gonna go to a city council meeting from time to time just to check up on what's going on and the funny thing is in my mind i imagine it's like like the older like get off my lawn type people Always. who go and then they're Always. the ones oh my who like speak up and they probably get what they want because they speaking up about Always. it Always. So, i recently um went to, I had a little booth for my whole brothers at this Inglewood city council meeting and they had Mayor Butts of Inglewood show up. They had Maxine Waters there. They had all these people. And that's all it was, was the older people talking about mm -hmm. how they didn't want like parking on their block past certain times. Like the, um, the kind where you have to have a permit. They didn't want that. They, you know, and they was like yelling at these people, which is, you know, whatever. Like you sign up for that role, I suppose, whenever you get into politics, but like, besides just voting, or showing up to city city council meetings, like what else like can we do? Like how else can we see real change through like civic participation? Like what other types of things can we do? Cause like, it was kind of cool to see, like they had complained about people speeding through their neighborhoods last year and somebody actually got ran over 
And so it was crazy, but they now they have speed bumps and they have like flashing lights on their stop signs and they were very excited. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like a real simple process. Like they complain, it happened, the stuff got changed and it is. But what are some other things we can do to actually like see the needle start to move? Or is that I the mean, main thing? Because I don't think most I of us mean, do I that. Think, I think, I mean, <clears throat> again, I think those are the main things, right? Also, it's not just city, mm-hmm. city council, it's school board, right? If you don't like what's going on with your schools, run for school board, right? If you don't like what's like, you UCLA is a is a public school, right? So that's mm-hmm. the, you, they vote for who's on there's a it's called a board of regents, right? So you vote for who's on that board. Like there are people that are appointed to those boards, but there's also it have to be because they get public and federal dollars have to be X amount of, of of elected seats on any any board from something any any school that's publicly funded. There have to be X amount of public uh, board seats, and so um, you know focusing on things like that, but also getting engaged with like, you know, right now I'm organizing for Planned Parenthood. And right now it's very difficult to find volunteers, right? Volunteers that are going to, you know, canvas with me to go explain what the importance of proposal three, right? Proposal three here in Michigan um, is to uh, basically make the 1931 abortion ban that was, well, that was passed in 1931, make that obsolete, right? Make uh, a new law that takes precedent um, and getting voters to one support that and get on board um, it's really important. I think also the issue there is, and we could talk about like you know our folks, um, is that like we conflate oftentimes like the origin of a thing with what it means today, right? So like sure, the woman who I, I don't even really know if it's true, but I, this is what I've heard. This is what I always hear about Planned Parenthood. Oh, she was a she was a uh, eugenicist. She believed in eugenics, and like all that mm-hmm. shit may be true, but at the end of the day. Right, the service that Planned Parenthood provides today, um, and for whom it provides it for, um, it's important. It's important for women, like whether you're black, white, whatever. It's important for women to have bodily autonomy. It's important for women to be able to make decisions for themselves, right? Um, and so, you know, it's, it's been a challenge to get volunteers. And again, people have voter fatigue because being living in a republic and a democracy is a full-time job. It's not like I voted on Tuesday and I get to forget about it for years. Like, nah, this is it's work. Yeah, that's kind of the main thing I'm picking up right now. They're like, damn, it's a lot of work. <laughs> and uh, I, maybe it should be more important to more people, but also the reality of folks' situations and dealing with work and their kids and already surviving and this and that is that they may not be able to go to those you know, meetings and do all of those things. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the, the most impactful things that I've heard you say thus far is when you said break it up into pieces. I love that because, um, you know, John and I were just having a conversation the other day and I was asking like, well, how, you know, what organization it makes the most sense to like look into or to support or help. And to think about it this way, to be like, okay, well, maybe let me find a tribe or put together like, who are the friends and people who care about this stuff? And then like mm-hmm. you said, okay, let me let me check the, the city council calendar and let me see what's going on over there. And maybe Carly is like, uh, you said something about municipality. I don't even know what that is. But like, you know, maybe Carly's like paying attention to something else and we just keep each other mm-hmm. informed. And or we might be like, ooh, they talking about this at the meeting, girl. We need to write a letter to, you know, whoever or do whatever. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea, especially when you can think about your particular area, you can think about particular um, topics, et cetera. So now my question to you, and I, you don't have to feel like you had to break down like this is this, this is this, this is this, but what are those places to focus? Like I've heard you talk about city council. 
I know there, there's like all the different levels. So like at what level makes the most sense for people to focus? And is that different based on like, if I have a family or maybe if I'm a worker or like, you know, is there something different that I might should focus on um, and pay attention to based on like who I am? Where would I start? Yeah, I think that's, that's the thing predicated upon the person, right? I think mm, okay. it's difficult. Like it, it is very difficult for me to really get engaged on state and local politics on like a representative way. Obviously I know what is going on and I'm aware, but like what I really understand and what I know and what I'm passionate about is federal politics, right? Like I, I wanna be in United States Congress. That's what I know. That's what I've been exposed to my entire life. That's where my relationships are. That's what I, like, I know how to, you know, grease those wheels and make things happen across the aisle. Like that's what I know, right? So I think where do your, like, if you're, if you have a special interest, are you, if you're keen on a specific subject matter, figure out who governs that, who's responsible for that, right? I think that's the thing. Like if, if you're like in Michigan, if my roads are messed up, like who is responsible for the roads? Mm -hmm. If I care about public transportation, like who is responsible for bringing money back or getting money to the state for public transportation and allocate those, allocating those funds? If in Michigan, <clears throat> right, I care about, um, right, uh, there's a lot of blighted homes in Detroit. So if I care about that, like, okay, I know that the federal dollars came back. I know the state allocated those dollars, but then the mayor is responsible for spending those dollars. How has he been spending that money? He hasn't been spending that money appropriately or properly because he could do demos or instead of doing demos and forcing people out and making less home inventory in the state, in, in the city of Detroit, he could also use that demolition money to uh, refurbish these homes and remodel these homes, mm -hmm. which would create better, create more housing opportunities for people in the city of Detroit. But that's another topic for another time. But I say all that to say, understanding where your interests are and how that works, right? So for me, as a person who wants to be a United States Congressman, I would personally bring uh, Mayor Mike Duggan before the Judiciary Committee or another committee that I would serve on uh, and, and investigate, okay, why is this money being spent this way? Why are there X amount of dollars or why are there X amount of uh, you know homes that still haven't been torn down or or renovated for that matter? And why is this money just sitting idle in, in this pot, right? Like that is what my role would be is accountability. Like the federal government is responsible for holding people accountable with the money that they allocate, that they send back, that they, that they disseminate to the states. Hmm. So Carly, now I'm thinking though, okay, what do I care about? But quite frankly, and probably because I don't have like a family, children, et cetera, the topics that I'm imagining first in my mind are like bigger national things. And so maybe I need to figure out like, but what does that trickle down to like on my, on this level to like, if, if we made, if we had more of something, it would also help with like those bigger things. So that's maybe what I would kind of think about next with that. Yeah, that's kind of where my, my mind was going to. Go ahead, John. I was going to say like, so one of the things you can think about is like, so in LA, right? We got Gascon as the DA. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he's doing a phenomenal job in a lot of, in some respects, but I think he's put the cart before the horse in other regards, right? So when we talk about, you know, the bail reform that he's done, that's all fine and well, but to your point, Lex, like you want to work back, if you want to work from the top down, right? The fundamental thing is, okay, well, the federal government is not funding after school programs are not creating resources for people to, to have things to do outside of school. Right. There was a time when people had stuff to do outside of school. Kids got in less trouble. Right. So before you can reform bail, which I think is a very, very important thing. Right. Part of the reason why so much stuff happens after school and between certain hours is because these kids don't have anything to do. So before we do that, let's provide them with things to do. 
right? Let's put, you know, uh, you know, whether that's whatever the after school programs are, put those back in the schools, right? Let's let's take care of those things. Like I'm not good at math, but one thing that I do remember from math from my math class is PEMDAS. Please excuse my dear on Stella. Parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction, right? You can't get the right answer if you don't do things in the proper order, right? Mm -hmm. So you do yourself a disservice by reforming bail before you took care of this over here because people are gonna say people are people, especially the people who need it the most, who are also being victimized when you talk about black on black crime. People, black people are victims of, of crime as well. And in, in black, first of all, let me dial that back. When we talk about crime in the black community, because black on black crime doesn't exist because um crime is just crime. People America is very segregated. So I'll, let me let me just clean that up because crime happens to everyone, mostly by people that look like them. But to go back into my point, um, you get people um, within these communities that need bail reform, right? So people can be out and work while they're awaiting their trial or arraignment or whatever the case may be. Um, but they, people don't want it and they say it's bad policy because these other pieces have not been fixed. The opportunities for jobs, the opportunities for after school uh, programs, the opportunities for uh, um, supplemental educational support, like those things aren't in place. The, the investment in trade schools, uh, fine, fine work for folks, that stuff is not happening. So therefore you're reforming bail before you provide the other, the secondary resources. And so it is all out of whack, it's out of order. And so real solutions that would work in, in under the proper circumstances are panned. And now someone's gonna say, well, we tried that already, it didn't work when you actually try to do it again, right? So that those are the things that you gotta think about before you just do things. And I think that's a great point. It's like things happen out of order. Um, one of my favorite quotes is like, the system isn't broken. It's like doing exactly what it was designed to do. And so from your thoughts with someone who is, you know, working in politics and has had a lifetime around it, like what's the biggest issue with it right now? Is it that people aren't voting and that we're not, you know, abreast to what's happening? Is it not having the right people who are running for it? Or like kind of what is the biggest issue with politics? Yeah, I don't like older folks. There's some good ones. I'm just be frank. Like, I think old people just really like they're haters. Um, there's some good ones out there, but I think I think there is this expectation that a younger person has to have done something in order to be in a position, a leadership position. Um, and I think that shows inherently a lack of leadership because a true leader, no matter the age, empowers someone that's younger than them to to take the baton and run with it, right? Like that's what leadership is. Like you don't, your your leadership isn't there to hold people back. If you're a true leader, you don't want to hold anybody back. You want to bring them up along alongside you, and like when they're when it's time for them to go, like go ahead, you got it. It's your time to shine. And I think that's one of the biggest flaws. I think also uh, one of the things my father really talked to me about was that in in 1994, when Newt, Gring, Newt Gingrich became uh, Speaker of the House, he fundamentally changed how politics was done across the aisle, um, and we see the effects of that to this day. Um, he did this thing called a contract with America and which in and of itself is not bad, but the, how he executed that in um, practice was I refused. We're not going to do, we're not going to do anything with Democrats. It's a zero sum game. It's our way or the highway. And that, and that turned our political, uh, the political world into a very toxic place. Um, there was a lot of, you know, fighting across the aisle, not, not a lot of working together, not a, not a lot of reaching across the aisle to get things done. Um, and that has had those effects and that happening has reverberated for the past almost 20 years or 30 years. 
I love your answers, John, because uh, they're different than the things that I hear all the time. Um, and I like that because it, it generates some new thoughts for conversation. Um, but I like the answer, especially that, you know, some older folks and some folks in power, like they really do have a hard time. And, and the longer you're in it, right, it's almost like you care more about just staying in it as opposed to like what your actual mission was. So hopefully for- but I'm not even, well, Let me clarify that because I'm not even talking about the people that are in office. I'm talking about mm -hmm. the voters. I'm talking about people that like- Oh, the other, okay. The other, uh, the other day I was on Twitter and someone said he's 19 and like, they were like, well, do you even, cause there's someone that follows me that knows about my candidacy that supported me. And they're like, well, do you know about his candidacy? And I said, I don't know about his candidacy. I recognize that you disqualified this person because they were 19. And I mm. think that at a certain point, older folks With have no to discussion. Like, it's like, yo, this person, if he, if the law says that he's eligible to run, mm -hmm. don't question him because he's running. The, if he, if he should win, that will be borne out in the results of the election. If he's the better candidate, there's no reason why you should hold him back just because mm -hmm. he's 19. He needs more mm -hmm. work experience. He needs more life experience. No, sure. All, the, all that stuff is gonna come in time, but nothing can prepare you for the job you have to do other than doing the job you have to do, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing can prepare you to be good at social media or be a social media manager unless you become a social media manager. To fix those problems that come up and the things that come up, you have to experience those problems, right? It's true, you could learn, you, you could, whether you are the founder of your own company or you go work for another company, you have to go and do the thing to learn how to do the thing, right? And I also think it is bad practice to say that a person who has been at the state legislature or was in a model UN or whatever, whatever else is a good person. Like, no, that stuff is not, that is created in a vacuum under the, mm -hmm. all the right circumstances, right? Everything is informed. Like, I think what informs and what makes a good politician is a lived experience in terms and then in using that lived experience to make policy right you should have information from dealing with people and having lived real life to inform policy i want i want a compassionate lawmaker i want someone that has been through tough times i want someone that understands what people what the average person goes through and right at, at 19 at 19 this person has lived through more school shootings than i have right i remember the, i remember when that came about but i never had to deal with that but that is a reality for a 19 and 18 or a 21 year old, right? That's something that they had to live with. So why is a 50 or four year old or a 60 year old or a 70 year old saying that this person shouldn't be in the state legislature to address and talk about at least, even if it's only a single issue to give voice to how that should be handled. Cause no one else, like 20, if you're 30, if you're what, 27 or 30 or whatever and older, we haven't really lived that. Mm -hmm. They should be they should be making those decisions for themselves on how to fix that. Thank you for clarifying that. That's a good point. Um, that's a really good point, actually. And it's something to remember that I think a lot of people consider, and probably myself, if I thought about it, we consider like politics is for older people, or like it, mm -hmm. it's a segment of people who do that, as opposed to the everyday person who just needs to understand what the issues are and be able to effectively work with other people to get those things changed. Um, me and Carly were laughing at ourselves again too and prep for this because I get this stuff every year. I got a voter information pamphlet in the mail. <laughs> I got official sample ballot in the mail. I got, what is this? Official election mail so I can make sure here's the, here's the links I need to go to to make sure I can actually vote. They be trying their hardest to get people to like mm -hmm. actually have their stuff together 
And that literally would have been in the recycling bin as soon as I walked into my door, if not for knowing we were about to talk to you, right? And so I want to ask you too, like with all of this stuff, right? We just we need to just pay more attention. They put it in our faces enough. And like this information pamphlet talks about all the propositions. And me and Carly were like, yeah, we go in there, we read the quick little blurb and just, you know, choose something. But you know that there's an A, B, C, D, section 21.18.14 under each one of these that like, you don't know all those other little things and the reasons why mm -hmm. people are like, actually, I wouldn't vote for that, even though it sounds good, like at the very top. So what, what are your thoughts on just like paying attention to this stuff and, and, and not voting blindly? You know, what's funny, you know, it's funny. Um, as someone like I read, I don't sign a petition unless I read it. I, uh, it's funny, I'm organizing on behalf of it now. But when I first read the Prop 3 proposal, it read like something that I should not, I would not mm -hmm. want to support. So much so that like, I was like, hey, I was telling people, do not sign this, right? <laughs> um, until I got clarity from like a couple different lawyers. Cause like someone was fighting with me, at me like, no, this is, this is right. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask my lawyer friend. And I sent him a screenshot. He's like, no, it's just worded weird, right? Mm. Um, but Why I do they not make this stuff sound like regular language? Because you got to remember that when making a law, you have to, and it's legalese, right? These are laws. This is, mm. this is policy. It has to be unimpeachable. It can't have loopholes. Mm. Like they're trying to keep as many loopholes out. So if it's we a contract say, kind of almost, mm. if, if I, if I am, if I am too basic in my language, well, someone can say, well, that doesn't mean this. You would go before yeah. a judge and the ju you go before the judge to challenge it and say, well, okay, well, it does say you can get an abortion, but it doesn't, it doesn't outline, it doesn't outline the term or when it can happen. So mm -hmm. I, the, the, the Republicans can come in and pass a law on top of that, that's fundamentally banned um, and makes that makes whatever that mm -hmm. is obsolete. Right. So it has to go the furthest and maybe sometimes it's confusing, but it has to go mm -hmm. all the way to be clear, to rule out any possibly possible amb ambiguity to make sure that everything, um, or make sure the desired outcome is what it is. That makes sense. Um, and it's something I, I've thought about before. It's like, man, everybody should have like a law class, just like how you have to take like English one or whatever. I feel like a, a lot of people should take law or be familiar, a little bit more familiar with law. And I know like with social studies and all that, that's like fourth grade. So for sure, you know, I, I bet it exists already that there is some site or some organizations that break these things down into like regular language and keep it clear and keep, keep it real with you. Um, and that would be something interesting to look into to see like, it, it really sounds like the more you're speaking, it is a personal responsibility for each person. If you're gonna talk about politics in a negative way or, or express any disdain or whatever and something should change, you really have to do work and research. Um, to, to know what's going on and to try to understand those things. Yeah, I think not only that, but I think that it doesn't like, as a black man in America who had a father who was severely undermined and I'm not gonna go deep into those things, um, but like um, we have a conspiracy mindset, right? And I could be, mm. I can have a conspiracy mindset about what happened with my dad and how it came out and all the things, right? But I think at the end of the day, we have to remove, like, I'm not saying ignore the history of America and how they have dealt with us. But I think it's also important to bear in mind that most people, it's not that they are trying to hurt black people. 
not saying they are, I'm not saying they are not trying to, but I don't, I, and I'm not saying that I, I think that is something that's not on their radar, but most people are self-interested. And so if I do this thing, I know it will help me. I'm not saying that they don't know that it could help black people or could hurt black people, but the primary focus is helping me. And I think when you go into things with the mindset, they're like, no, nah, I'm not about to, like, I could take it personally, but it takes so much energy to take things personally when I could just get up and take action and do the things. And that's, I think changing that, it, it, makes, it, it makes being engaged, it takes the, it, there's a lightness that comes with like being engaged with policy and, and, and wanting to participate, right? And not carrying the baggage. I'm not trying to carry the baggage. Like I live the baggage of 400 years of racism. And it's a part of my daily life because someone could pull me over. I don't need to carry the baggage of racism when I'm trying to like make this world better for me and everyone else, right? If I go into everything with a conspiracy in mind or that this is a conspiracy, everything turns into an argument. I don't know if that, I don't know if that's It's clear. hard to talk know. about politics without everything seeming like an argument though, you know, but, and it's unfortunate because at the end of the day, it, it like boggles my mind when it's stuff like people just want to be seen equal or like, we just want to, you know, just want to have the same level of things. And it's like, why is this politicized? Like everything's politicized, everything's sensationalized. Everything feels like an argument. It's like, why are we arguing about like equity? Like it's really, I don't know. I think it's really unfortunate, but to your point, like there's ways to approach it. And like for the people who do see everything as conspiracy or whatever, they also, there's never solutions because everybody's just kind of against them and part of that conspiracy. So it seems complicated to me. Maybe it doesn't have to be so complicated and maybe people as individuals can choose a a thing in a lane and a place where, you know what, let me focus on this. Um, As opposed to really like trying to look at all of this as a system in, in, in whole. No, yeah, it's well, very I think, complicated. I think, but it, yes, and so I think it is very complicated. But something you said about like looking at the things that interest you can make it a little bit lighter instead of like letting all of that overwhelm and become so heavy for us because it can be, and it does become so overwhelming that it's just like okay, I'm just not going to do any of it. But thinking about what interests us is helpful because it does break it down into those bite-sized pieces that make it seem like something we can do, something attainable, something that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. So John, what would you say is your like vision and hope for the future of politics? Like, what is your mission? What are you working on? I'm rooting for everybody black. <laughs> like, uh, my mission is to create equity of opportunity for black people. Um, and I'm not afraid to say that. Like I'm not anti, I'm not anti anyone. Um, I, 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 you, I don't think in the country or in this world, um, as globally connected as it is, you cannot not work with other races and other creeds. But I think that for me, my, my purpose is to create access to opportunities for black people, uh, for people of color, but also to understand politically and financially that like our success is not defined by our proximity to whiteness. Our success is not defined and our value is not defined um, with finances, um, right? I think that is, that's, that's my push. That is my hope. Um, and that is, that is what I spend 
all of my time thinking about and meditating on and working toward um, is setting my people free from the, the chains of thinking that money defines their value and their worth and being, you know, and actually helping them understand that how some of their talking points reinforce um, their own oppression. Oh, oh, mm. there's a, a lot to to sit with in, in that statement, but I'm glad you shared that. And I'm excited to see, you know, all of that happen in politics and see how you lead the charge for a lot of that. Um, can you talk about some of the projects and the work that you have underway, like working towards those things? and like going towards your mission, like books, podcasts, like what you got going on? Yeah, so I have my father, my father started working on a book before he passed away. And so I finished it. Um, and so we will be, you know, that book is currently at auction. Um, and so hopefully that will be, you know, I'll be announcing a book deal soon. But I have okay, a podcast that I'm working on. Uh, I'll be selling, I'll be selling um, after the election. Um, and then I'm involved in or obviously political organizing and staying engaged with my community and, and staying tied and connected to this place. And then there's a bunch of other entrepreneurial and entrepreneurial endeavors that I'm, you know, committed to and involved in. Um, yeah. Just staying active and, you know, trying to trying to stay alive. That's it. Yeah. Every day. Um, it's cool to see your growth and see you on this path. What does your day to day work look like? Like, what does that involve, like towards all these goals? Um. Let's see. Well, I mean, I have an agent, so I don't really have to like, once you get to that place, there's not a lot for me to do. Like my, my work okay. isn't you well, know, your work day to day on with the your, book with your the, 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 Oh, the organizing, you know, I do a lot of canvassing. I do phone banking. Um, you know, we do community events. There's a bunch of stuff that we do. Um, it just it varies by day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm at, I'm on college campuses, talking to people and, and engaging with them. You know, I'm, I am, I am one of three um, youth BIPOC organizers for the state of Michigan. Um, and so we have, you know, we are over, yeah, engaging people. Three out of how many? In the state. Yeah, like only three. So like, is it Total. a big number or is it like three out of 10 or something? I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how many they have. I just know what I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm just one of three in the state. Um, mm. um, so yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I do. And, um, um, there's, there's that. And then there's also like, you know, my business stuff takes up a lot of my time, um, from, you know, my consulting businesses. Um, yeah, I just, it, it varies, but mostly the organizing right now takes up the bulk of my time. That's great. We're really proud of all the work that you do and, um, I'm proud and excited to, to know somebody to whom I can have those kind of conversations with and to help me learn how to be more active. You know, like I'm 37 years old and it's like, oh, I can go to a city council meeting. <laughs> and <laughs> even now I'm like, dang, I'm, I'm like, this does seem like so much work, but I am for sure like committed to finding a space that like Carly said, that I make sense for me, that I enjoy. So it doesn't feel like that, that I can keep up with track um, and make sure that I feel like my participation is effective. So I appreciate that. Um, as we close, we always do like a shout out uh, to hype somebody up or, or give good news. Um, and we wanna celebrate you in our shout out today and just uh, please let people know, listeners know 
where they can follow you, how they can learn more about you. Like, you know, what do you want people to do? Whether it's they can they can DM you questions or, or what? Yeah, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, all socials across platforms uh, are Conyers, my last name and the number three spelled out, T-H-R-E-E. Feel free to DM me, um, you know, reach out and say what's up. Um, if you want to email me, my my email is info at conyersforcongress.com. Um, I think that, I think that, you know. One of the biggest just... things that you said that I love and like, I feel like you can make this a thing, which you probably are through your work and through the other media and things that you're developing. But even with your social media, this this idea of creating a, a friend a friend pod around politics, I like that idea a lot. And I would love to hear uh, you speak more to just casually like how you did with us like um, you know what are some of the topics people can think about or like where they can go to listen in or speak or whatever like I, I think there's a big space for that especially for young people so thank you for all the work that you do hopefully you continue you know that really important work you have inspired me today and gave me some some actionable things that I feel like we can really do thank you very now, much thank you all and it seems so simple. It might seem very ahead, simple to you, but um, it might seem mm -hmm. very simple to you to break that down. But I'm very excited because, like I said, it makes mm -hmm. it more accessible for me. And I'm a smart person. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got degrees, all those things. Not that that <laughs> like, matters. We smart. But like, and we know, still like, like I don't know. Here. We still confused out here. So like you sharing that is very helpful because I'm definitely about to hit mm -hmm. legs. Like, yo, these are the things I care about. Here's right. some info. Yes, no What's on the these topic things. you're going like, to take? Yeah. So no, yeah, really, thank I, you. For, I would add that. I would add that, like, if you find out where this, if I feel like if Taylor, which is a small city in Detroit or small city in Wayne County, um, I don't think they have more than like 20,000 citizens. If they are streaming and then like Southgate is streaming, like uh, Melvindale has, a, like, you could stream, they stream their city council meetings live. I'm sure the LA city council streams live, right? So if this is one of those days where you're feeling like, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm like, I'm whooped. I'm at the crib tonight, like stream it. Right. And public comment is available for people on stream, too. Like, it's not something that like that just you have to be in person. Right. So I think with technology, the advent of technology also really made it easier to at least be aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so, and I mean, people, I don't mean to keep going. I know we don't have that much time left, but even your state legislature and United States Congress. C-SPAN is real. Like they created C-SPAN because people wanted to know, like when TV became popular, people wanted to know what was going on in Congress. C-SPAN 1 and C-SPAN 2 and C-SPAN 3 are, well, C-SPAN 3 is more international <laughs> politics, specifically uh, the House of Commons in, in London. But C-SPAN 1 and 2 is like the Senate and the House. You can go watch like proceedings. Like it is available to you. It is not popularized. And I, I think C-SPAN should have an app. They don't have an app yet. But if you, you, can, you can go watch it. British politics, wild too. They be screaming and they be getting it in. Yeah, I love that. And, and I watch, um, there's some Netflix shows and things like, well, you know how we have House of Cards, but there's a Dutch one. I now I can't even think of the name of it, but like, it's so interesting. Like I'll watch the other shows that are like political kind of dramas and I'm like, wow, it's so different. Like, which makes me want to think like, also how can we reshape our whole stuff, which maybe we never will in my lifetime. But yeah, it, it's all so very fascinating and interesting. So thank you. Um, Carly, close us Thank out with our last piece. Yeah, we still All got right, one so more we, thing, and then we gonna let you go. Well, one last thing, one last thing, then we're done. Okay, so we end every episode with a question of the week, as you already know. Y'all are still listening. Check out his other episode, one twenty-seven. But this week's question is, John, I'm gonna shoot it to you first. 
in the past, people were buried with items that they thought they would need in the afterlife. If that were so the case today, what would you like to be buried with so that you could use it in the afterlife? Basketball. Oh, ball is life and death. Ball is life. <laughs> Yeah. That's a good answer. Carly, what's bear your me. answer? Bear, bear, bear me with Spalding or Wilson, whichever one. Yo. Make sure it's the NBA um, leather game ball and I'm straight. <laughs> like, look, now he got requests. It got to be a special one. Right. Um, I don't know. Lexi, do you already know? Because I'm like blinking. Yeah, I need I need to be buried with my phone so I can hop on Twitter.com straight up. <laughs> I need the Twitter app. I'm going to be in there <laughs> joking it up. <laughs> Afterlife. I got I got to catch these jokes and I got to see dang what's going on out there um so yeah I'd want to be buried with my phone and with wi-fi access in the afterlife so I can laugh at the jokes <laughs> and get some tweets off every once in a while about John playing oh, basketball <laughs> yeah I feel like I would need some type of music Ball's and then like some type of something to play with so I don't know we'll figure out what that is hmm. what would you need I'm trying to think of like how you are you you need some some like hobby type things to like yeah. DIY or something. <laughs> <laughs> Not leaving me with projects after I'm dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Whew. All right. Well, thank you so, so much, John. Um, to all of our listeners, please, we hope that you really got something out of this episode. Get out and vote probably where you are probably next November week after 8th. this comes out. November 8th. November 8th. November 8th. November 8th. That's November the same 8th. day. Oops. Look, see, I don't know nothing. I thought that was just us. November but, 8th. Yeah. Tuesday, November 8th. November 8th. There's early voting. Check if you have early voting. Michigan has early voting. I know California has early voting. November 8th, go vote. November 8th. Tuesday, November yeah, 8th. They sent me all this stuff. So I'm going to read through it. Get out there and me and, me, Yeah, me and Carly going to start wearing all black and pick our afros out and get to it and make a difference. We on it. Right, Thank you, John. Bye-bye. Thanks, John.